Good morning. It's great to see you this morning. I'm just delighted that you've come. You've, out of all the things you could be doing, you chose to came, come here today, and that's a wonderful reality. In recent weeks, we've uh, discovered that, if we didn't know it before, that uh, David was a man after God's own heart. And today, we're going to see David on the brink of one of the most generous offerings that mankind has ever seen. And uh, so we're talking about all heart here today. And I love this uh, subscript here, from the heart flow the springs of life, Proverbs 4.23. And without one's will, desires, passions, affections, perceptions, and thoughts rightly aligned, the life of love is impossible. And uh, so we're going to hear some more about that. And so as I thought about David this morning or this week, I wondered how did he become a man after God's own heart? What was it? And so I imagined that uh, as he sat under the stars uh, day after day as a shepherd boy, if he didn't meditate, and uh, you know, it says in Psalm fifty-five, eighteen that he prayed three times a day. And so I imagine that he would pray and he would meditate on God and his greatness and so forth. And then I would assume that every once in a while he would uh, express the, the great prayer and statement in the Old Testament from Deuteronomy chapter 4, 6, excuse me, the great Shema. Take a look at that great Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And then the verse immediately following is also very, very instructive. It says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. And so I assume that David, understanding the Shema and God's desire for us to love him with all of our being and to do it wholeheartedly, he began to think in terms of being a man after God's own heart. And others have done so as well. Uh, D.L. Moody is one of those who heard a, a preacher ask this question or make this statement, the world is yet to see what God can do with a man fully surrendered to him. And Moody answered in his own heart, by God's grace, I'll be that man. Bill Hybels is another young man. He was asked by a business friend once, Billy, what are you going to do with your life that will last for eternity? And Bill began to think about that. And as he did, he realized that the track he was going to inherit his father's lucrative business was not the track for him. And he chose to become a pastor and give his life to that cause. Well, you don't have to become a pastor to be a man after God's own heart, that's for sure. But everyone does need to answer the question, how do I show that I love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength? I wish I could go into depth this morning on answering that question, how do I do that? But I'm going to instead take one small sliver of the idea of how we love the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, and all our strength. Now, It's a sliver, but it's probably the biggest sliver in the pie, if we could speak in those terms. That is, it's one of the major ways in which we show God our love. And if we get this part right, most everything else will fall into place. And that leads us to our central truth for the day. Always have one of these, at least I try. We can't start living until we learn heart-giving. 
We can't start living until we learn heart giving. I've been blessed and I've been honored to be chosen uh, to uh, talk to you about the subject of heart giving this morning. As we near the end of our Ignite campaign for 2014 to 2016, the deacons felt that it would be important for us to get just kind of a review at the tail end of it so that we might just check up and see how we're doing as individuals and how we're doing as a church. And some of us who made commitments to be reminded, maybe we need to finish those commitments if we haven't done so already. And some who never made any commitment, we weren't aware of this whole Ignite campaign. You can jump in with us, you know, even now and help us reach our goals. Now, it's no secret that I love to talk about money. I really do. I love to talk about money, and I love to talk about stewardship. I've been doing so for almost 48 years, and many sermons on that subject. And, you know, I do it for your good. I I don't do it because Manuka Bible Church needs your money. We run a surplus. We've run a surplus for probably 30 years. So Manuka Bible Church isn't clawing for your money because we're just desperate. That's just not the case at all. I'm speaking to you for your good and for God's glory because this is an important part of becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Now David came through in this area in such an amazing way that we want to look at his example. So I invite you to turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And we're going to look first at, his, at the idea of extravagant giving. <clears throat> now, we look first at 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 14. And out of all the plunder that David had received in all of his battles, he had amassed an enormous amount of gold and silver and copper and bronze. And, he'd put, and on purpose, he'd put it aside because he was determined there was going to be a temple. God told him he couldn't build a temple, but his son would. And so he got everything prepared in advance. And we see that uh, there was 100,000 talents of gold. By the way, a talent is 75 pounds. You do the math. I'm going to do it for you in just a second. 100,000 talents of gold, 1 million talents of silver. That's 75 million pounds of silver. Quantities of bronze and iron, too great to be weighed. Forgive the misspelling there. And then out of his own personal wealth, the scripture says, chapter 29, verse 3, that David gave 3,000 talents of gold, 7,000 talents of silver, and from his own personal treasures. And then he asked the people, the leaders of Israel, to join with him in giving, and they gave another 5,000 and two and a half, how's that for accurate, talents of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, 100,000 talents of iron from the leaders of Israel. Now, uh, well, one more. First Kings chapter 5, verse 10. King Hiram of Tyre gave Solomon many cedar trees for the temple. That's not even counted in the cost. Now, incidentally, the gold that came from David's plunder was $120 billion in gold and $6 billion in silver. 
When you add it all up, and this doesn't even count labor, and if you're just calculating by minimal values in today's gold and silver, the temple costs $250 billion and more. Everything was covered with gold and silver to the glory of God. He owned it all anyway. So why not put it in the temple? By comparison, the most expensive building in the world today, $8 billion in one of those uh, Arabian hotels over there. It's lavish. Uh, Unbelievable. I wish I'd put a picture up of it. $8 billion. I just checked that on the internet. And you know everything's true on the internet. So I got that straight from the internet as of 2014. Now, after these gifts were given... David prayed a prayer in which we discover several truths about giving. And then we're going to switch to the New Testament equivalent of this particular passage for some more truths about giving. And I have 10 truths I want to share with you, so we have to keep moving. Heart giving, number one, understands that heaven and earth belong to God. Duh, you say, well, we know that. Look at what it says in the scripture. Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head Overall, David knew where God belonged. And we, we know this is true. This is, this is a no-brainer. We know that God owns the heavens and the earth. But how easy is it for us in our minds to be thinking in terms of ours or mine? This is my house. This is my car. This is my checking account. This is my investment portfolio. This is my boat. This is my jewelry. And we get confused in our minds as to who is the owner. And God is the owner of all. Uh, We've said it dozens of times. We're not owners. We're just managers. Just caretakers of God's stuff. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I say to my money manager several times, I've said it to him. And when the things go up and the things go down, I said, you know, I never worry about someone else's money. And I never do. It's not my money. So I do my best to manage God's money. But if I fail or something goes wrong, it's God's money. So I never give a thought to it. And I've lost a lot of money in the last month. And many of you have as well. So what? It's God's money. And so I do my best. And uh, so if he wants to distribute it to someone else... That's his business. Now, the second truth is very similar, but just enough different. Heart giving knows that God gives wealth and honor. Look at what it says in verses 12 and 13. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. 
Now, God made this abundantly clear as the people of Israel were going to enter into the promised land in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 17 and 18. Look at what Moses told the people as coming from God. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is today. A politician once said, you didn't build that. Well, she was only partially right. You didn't, but God gave you the ability to do that. You had to cooperate. You had to participate. You had to do something. But it was God who was giving and enabling you to do that. There's no wealth that God doesn't create or allow. Oh, listen to me. We can't start living until we learn heart giving, till we learn these truths and put them into practice. The third truth is extremely important too. Heart giving is willing and with honest intent. Verse 17, I know my God that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things have I given willingly and with honest intent. And now I've seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Uh, we, don't, we don't give generously or even miserly if that's our practice because someone shames us into giving or talks us into giving or promises rewards if we give. That's not why we give. We give because we want to willingly And with good intent, our intent is that God's kingdom will grow, that God will be glorified, that people, his people, the people that he loves, will be blessed and helped by our giving for their legitimate needs. There shouldn't be a stingy bone in our body. There shouldn't be a moment's reluctance when we're giving to the Lord, even when it hurts. Even when we don't know where it's coming from, we give willingly with good intent. No angst in our hearts. If we do it to show off, no reward. No reward. Willingly with good intent. Our fourth truth is important. They're all true. They're all important, aren't they? And I hope some of, this, some of us will make this decision today. Heart, truth number four, heart giving is a permanent attitude. When one decides to be a heart giver, he realizes that it's for the rest of his life as God enables him. And God will always enable. So that's almost an oxymoron. This isn't for a one-time ignite challenge. This isn't because I got a big bonus and I got a little extra I can throw in. And it isn't because I got a new job or something like that and I can give more. Well, that's a good idea, but that's not the idea. We're permanent heart givers. We'll have the attitude that looks to see how much we can give for the rest of our lives. It's a lifetime commitment to give generously. The Lord is always loyal to us. And we need to always be loyal to him. 
Now we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 to learn our last few truths. You guys didn't chuckle at that. Well, I really mean 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. So let's remember our central truth before we go on. We can't start living until we learn heart giving. I love that song that we sang just a few minutes ago. You take my hand, you show me the way to life. And that's what I'm trying to do today. Here's our fifth truth. Heart giving is sacrificial giving. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 2 through 4. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich... This is an amazing passage. For I testified that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. I don't know how you do that, but that's what he said. Entirely on their own, they urgently, look at this, pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Those are some of the most amazing verses in the Bible. I have to be honest with you. In all the building programs that I've been involved with, either as a pastor or as a participant, I've never seen an entire church do this. Never. Now, I've heard of individuals selling their homes or selling their second homes or mortgaging their their homes. I've heard of them selling boats and and second cars or or whatever and and giving, you know, sacrificially to the Lord. But I've never seen a whole church do it, and and I'm not sure that any church has seen it since this day. But I do believe that it's important that at times at least, especially in a special campaign like we've enjoyed, that we give sacrificially, that we dig down deep, and it hurts a little bit, and we joyously plead for the privilege of doing so. Now, friends, the secret to giving over and above the norm is truth number six. Heart giving starts when we give ourselves first to the Lord. Look at the scripture there. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then to us in keeping with God's will. We will never get started on truths one through five until we resolve this truth. Lord, I am all yours, 100% of me. I've picked up my cross. I'm denying myself all of me for all of you at my expense. I learned that from Erwin Lutzer, pastor of Moody Church. And he would say that before his foot hit the the floor. He would announce to the Lord, Lord, today, all of me, for all of you, at my expense, sacrifice at my expense. I love that. This is loving the Lord, at least in part, with all of our hearts, all of our souls, and all our strength. Years ago, we used to sing that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And I would have no holding back, no holding back. God never held back from us. God so loved the world that he gave. 
That's a big part of God's love. The, the Savior gave us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. It gives us eternal life. Giving is a major part of following Jesus. People in the world, and some Christians, can't understand how some of us commit to giving 10% or more of our gross income, not our net income, our gross income. How do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be blessed in the gross or the net? I think the gross for me. And that's it, before taxes, okay, in case you're wondering. <clears throat> in fact, they don't see how we can do it. It just, it just blows their mind. And that leads us to our seventh truth for the day. Heart giving <clears throat> is in accordance with what one has, not with what he doesn't have. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Now, this seems to be contradictory to the first part about sacrificial giving. Because, you know, they gave beyond their means. They begged to give, you know, even until it hurt. But I think Paul's maybe a little correct if you're saying, I'm not asking you to do that. That's really out of the norm. But what I am saying that you need to give in accordance with what you have. Now, if you have a normal income, and if you have managed God's resources well, there's no reason why you can't give 10, 11, 12, 13, 20, 25, 30, 35% of your income or more to the Lord's work. Yes, you heard me right. If you have a huge income and you're giving just only 10%, there's something wrong with your calculator in terms of God's blessing on your life. But then again, if you have a very low income, maybe 10% is going to be a stretch for you. So God says that we're to give in accordance with what we have, not with what we don't have. Now, if you make a normal income for you now, and that could be $30,000 a year or less, or it could be $150,000 to $200,000, yeah, we have people on both ends of the spectrum here at Manuka Bible Church. And perhaps you haven't managed God's resources so very well. Then you'll find it very, very difficult to even give 10%. You may not be able to give 3% or 1%. Now it's possible that some of us have hit tremendous financial distress. Maybe because we got sick and we couldn't work. Or maybe we lost our job at one of the most inopportune times. Any number of factors why we might be in hard times. And so if you're not giving that 10% during those times, God says give what you have, not what you don't have. But some of us have bought too many toys. Some of us have bought way too many things on credit. And we haven't learned how to manage God's money as well as we should. So I suggest to you, if that's your case, sell some of those things. Really, get rid of them. And then start giving with a challenging amount to you. And then build up from there as God blesses. And if your heart is right, he will bless. I guarantee I promise that. So let's take a quick detour to see how we're going, how we're doing in our Ignite giving for these last two years. 
Our original goal was to give $3.5 million from April 2014 to April 2016. Here's where we are. 193 giving units, and a giving unit, incidentally, can be a family, it can be a couple, it can be an individual, but just where money's coming out of one pocket, if you will. So 193 giving units pledged $2,284,989. And of those pledges, $1,636,678 has come in so far. And if we have another two or three months before all our pledges, and we have another two or three months before all our pledges are due. Now, if you do the math, you recognize that we fell short of even what we pledged, what we said we would give to God by $648,311. And it's unlikely that we will be able to get that in the next three months. But you just saw some good news. 484 giving units of non-pledgers in this time period gave $833,125, which brought us up to what we said we had pledged. And I want you to know, praise God, that 31 givers gave more than their pledge. So, there's still time to join us if you weren't here two years ago. Many of those who pledged have, in fact, given sacrificially. I know that for a fact. And maybe some of you can join them starting this month. And I'm going to boldly, without apology, ask you to give sacrificially if you've not been giving to this Ignite Fund. Now, the Ignite Fund is this. It wasn't just the mortgage. It was everything. All of the ministries put together in one big budget And that was the $3.5 million over two years that we thought we would need. And I want to tell you that because of the giving of of the non-pledgers and the pledgers, that we still have a surplus. And we're easily meeting our mortgage. So none of this message has anything to do with, woe is me, we're hurting so bad. Just not true. This is for your benefit I'm speaking this morning. But just as importantly... Good managers or bad managers. Most of us will profit from taking a course that we offer here at Minooka Bible Church called Financial Peace University. And do you hear what I said? Good managers, bad managers. Some people think, oh, well, that Financial Peace University, if I go there, I'll just be admitting that I'm just a terrible, you know, uh, steward of God's money. That's not true at all. And as a matter of fact, It's funny how it works that people who are good managers go to those courses to learn how to be better managers. And so I implore you, when we give that, and and, uh, Terry's here this morning, we don't know when that's going to be, but it's going to be soon. When we learn the mechanics of stewardship, saving, and investment, then we'll be ready for truth number eight. Heart giving is cheerful. Giving. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Some translate this word cheerful as hilarious. 
to be a hilarious giver. We need to be absolutely delighted to be able to give every gift that we give. If there's even a little bit of reluctance, ask God to change your heart. If, if you're putting that gift in and you say, I don't know where the next meal's coming from, then take it back. Because you're not giving cheerfully. You're not giving willingly with good intent. We need to be willing with good intent and joy-filled. We can literally see this as one of the most joyful acts of our worship. Why? Because our money represents us. Our money represents the time that we spend in labor, our own energy in that labor, and the talents that God has given us for that work. And so when we put that check in the offering, we put those dollars in the offering, we're saying, Lord, this is a part of me that I'm giving to you. This is just a token of all of me for all of you at my expense. One of the reasons we can be joy-filled in our giving is because we trust in the good things God is going to do with our gift. Look at truth number nine. Heart giving seeks to give more as God blesses one's previous giving. Look at the verse. This is an amazing verse. Uh, I've lived this verse all my adult life. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way and that includes your finances so that you can be generous on every occasion. We don't give so that we'll get more. But God is faithful in the way he works in this regard more often than not, and God's glory and God's kingdom is our motivation for our giving, but we can almost always count on God and his multiplication factor. Many of us have seen this in our lives over and over again, and there's so many passages that relate to this truth that it's just amazing. Now, here's a broad generalization in rather juvenile kinds of terms. But it reflects what we're just seeing on the screen here. Give to get to give. And I look at it this way. Give generously to get lavishly from God so that you can give even more liberally to God's work. That's the way he works. He gives back so that you can give even more for his glory, and for the service of God's people. It's important to look for those reciprocal blessings so that we don't miss them. I've seen people miss the blessings of God in their lives, even financially, uh, because they weren't looking for them. And so it's important that you look for those blessings of God's return so that then you're motivated out of joy to give him even more. And that leads us to our 10th and final truth this morning about heart giving. But remember, you can't start living until you learn heart giving. Heart giving results in praise to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. 
and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Imagine the number of people who praise God because of the generous gifts of God's people at NBC. Just imagine that. Just think of all of our missionaries and all of the people that they serve literally all over this world on every continent except Australia. Take a look at the missions map back there. The people who receive from our food pantry, the people who receive from our mercy fund. In one year, I don't count it anymore, but in one year we gave over $22,000 to people off the street and people in our congregation for uh, rent bills and for uh, automobile repairs and for sleep overnight. And it's amazing how we've benefited people with God's blessings. The, the people who have benefited from Mission 13, 14, and 15, and now with our new Endeavor ministry this year. Uh, the people who share in the joy of Spy Kids. All of us who have this marvelous church with its ministries just meeting the needs of so many people week after week after week. Yes, you've helped that to happen. God is being praised because of our gifts. Imagine how much we could do, how much more we could do, and how much more he would be praised if we were all giving as we should. The truth is we're not. The truth is we're not. But if today, through the Scripture and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your heart, you say, Lord, I'm going to be that man. I'm going to be that woman. I don't know how. I don't know how it'll happen, but I'm pledging myself to you all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. Results would be unbelievable. We'd be able to pay off our mortgage in a matter of years, a couple of years at most. We'd be able to support more missionaries. We could start new ministries. We could start new churches. We could hire new pastors. And in all of this and more, you would be blessed even more, and God would be praised even more. You see, Jesus said, I've come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. And I've come here today to say to you, and I believe this with all my heart, And I believe I've shown from the Scriptures. This hasn't been my ideas. This has been the Scripture, and I've just faithfully expressed what God says. That we can't start living that abundant life until we learn heart-giving. Because until we learn heart-giving, we just haven't really caught on to all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. You know, I said a few minutes ago, that there may be some who've had some hard times recently, or maybe more than recently. I've experienced that. Many years ago, when I was living in Miami, Florida, I was without any regular work, and we were starting to wonder how we were going to make ends meet. And... uh, So we sat down and we worked out all of our bills, absolute minimum amount of money that we needed to just survive and still give to the Lord. 
We figured that out, and we came to a specific figure. We got down on our knees, and we prayed, Lord, we don't know how this is going to happen, but we're asking you to supply all of this and more. And so this is, this is the absolute truth. It's God is my witness. As soon as we got up from our knees, the phone rang. It was that fast. I couldn't believe my ears. I didn't know who was on the other end, but it was a friend. He said, Dave, there's a church over on the north side of Miami that needs an interim pastor, and I think you'd be perfect for the job. So he arranged for them to get in touch with me, and we got in touch, and we talked. And so very bravely, I said, well, just, you know, so I can evaluate whether or not I can do this, about how much money are you talking about per month? God is my witness. It was to the dollar of what we had said we needed to make ends meet. Now I was feeling kind of, you know, bold, and I thought, well, I've given that much. I uh, think I'm going to ask them if they give me any gas money, too because it was 45 miles one way, 90 miles round trip. So, by the way, could you throw in a little extra cash for, for the gas? Sure, we'll do that too. God met all our needs in every way. I promise you that God will not leave you in the lurch if your heart is right. Now, let's take a little test this morning, okay? We've got a couple minutes left. So if you pull out your little note sheet, a lot of you weren't taking notes. You were saying, when is this turkey going to be finished? I'm tired of this message. But um, let's take the quiz anyway, okay? Number one, heart giving understands that heaven and earth belong to God. Do you understand that? It's not yours, just a caretaker. Number two, heart giving knows that God gives wealth and honor. You didn't build that. You didn't. He gave you that wealth. Number three, Heart-giving is willing and with honest intent. God's glory. God's kingdom. Heart-giving is a permanent attitude. You just are determined that you're going to be a giver. Heart-giving is sacrificial giving. When's the last time you gave sacrificially? Number six. Heart-giving starts when we give ourselves first to the Lord. All of me, for all of you, at my expense. Truth seven. Heart-giving is in accordance with what one has, not with what he doesn't have. Tough straits, give what you can and get started. But don't give nothing. Truth eight. Heart-giving is cheerful. Can't wait to give that offering. Number nine, heart giving seeks to give more as God blesses with more. And number 10, heart giving results in praise to God. Is anybody praising God because of what you give? Let's stand for prayer. Heavenly Father, I believe that I've taught your truth today. What has just been human speculation, if there's been any, just blow it away like chaff. But what is true from your word and from your spirit 
I pray that you'll burrow those truths deep into every heart today. For there's probably room for improvement in every life today. And so, God, I pray that we'll be able to give in the days, the weeks, the months, and the years ahead for our good and your glory. Amen. Bye and God bless.